So I remember on the way to Tahoe, we passed through San Francisco, and I was mesmerized by this city, you know, coming on the bridge. It was not the Golden Gate Bridge. It was actually the Bay Bridge. And I thought, it is so beautiful coming from the Bay Bridge to San Francisco, so the Oakland side to San Francisco. I just looked around and I said, this is the most beautiful city in the world. One day, I want to live here. That was journalist and educator Jan Yenihiro. I'm Jeff. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories, and you get to know your neighbors. Quick programming note. Now that we in the Bay Area are under a shelter in place, we just want you to know that we've got shows recorded and scheduled for the current duration of this unusual situation. We recognize and honor the all-in-this-together ethos, and ask you to recommend this podcast to any of your friends or family who are looking for some kind of uplift. In this podcast, Jan traces her story back to Oahu, where she grew up a third-generation Japanese-American. From an early age, Jan wanted to travel the world and interview people. Against her family's traditions and perhaps better wishes, she made that dream come true. She wraps up part one with her story of coming to San Francisco. Here's Jan. And I'm Sansei, which is third generation Japanese American. That's what okay. the word Sansei. So it's Issei is the first generation. They're the ones who came from Japan. Mm-hmm. My grandparents came from Japan to work in the sugarcane and pineapple fields of Hawaii. Where in Hawaii? Honolulu. On Honolulu. And and actually, okay. there was in the outer islands, and they all came to Honolulu afterwards. We had sugarcane fields and pineapple fields. Wow. Back in the day, on all the islands, mm-hmm. and um, so the Issei, the first generation, came from whatever country, mm-hmm. and my grandparents came from Japan to work in the sugarcane pineapple fields of Hawaii. Okay. Second generation, Nisei, Nisei, they were the ones who were born there, so they're second generation. So my parents are Nisei. Mm-hmm. They were born and raised in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and I'm Sansei, mm-hmm. so I'm third generation, so it's Ichi, Ni, San, um, so third generation, and I was born and raised in Hawaii, and there's now, okay. you know, Yonsei, which is fourth, and there's Gosei, which is five, so, sure. you know, and so that's how the Japanese people really count the generations, it's from the person who came, is first generation. Got it. Was, what, so is that both sets of your parents, grandparents Both came? sets of oh, my wow. grandparents, and both grandmothers were picture brides. Oh, wow. And I'm, I'm always appalled when I, I think about it. And, and one of my grandmothers lived to 96, and, and I would ask her, I said, you know what, you just had a picture of the guy that you were going to marry when you got off the ship on the dock in Hawaii. You had to marry him and then go off and have 13 children oh, with this person. Goodness. I mean, it, it's just appalling to me. And and I always felt that, you know, she was modern. She spoke English broken. Um, and, and she said, but that was the duty you had. Hmm. And, you know, so in Japan, back in the day, um, this was very common. What was also common, uh, arranged marriages, mm-hmm. very common. And mm-hmm. so that's what you did. And she said she was lucky because she was matched with, a really handsome guy. Okay. She, she won that game. Yeah. So she said she okay. was lucky. And she said to me, actually, some of her friends who came on the ship with her um, didn't like, uh, or the, the guy sent the wrong picture, hmm. somebody who was younger. 
somebody who was more handsome. So not an accident. That no. he and, and, and so you're there at the dock, and you go, oh, well, this isn't your picture. And she said some women actually um, went back to Japan because they refused to marry the person. So they had right of refusal. Well, That's... not always, okay. but she said the rare occasion but she said you know you, you couldn't really do that because in the Japanese society it was like you know you, you didn't want to embarrass your family so right. you you really had to do what they wanted so yeah. but some women did go back some women stayed and I said what what did they do she said well they married other people and this is a surprising thing what she told me some people did marry other men but some of the women who stayed she said became prostitutes okay. because they had to support themselves right. and that's what they did and I'm thinking from my grandmother, who lived to 96, is telling me that some of the people she traveled with from Japan to Hawaii didn't want to go back, didn't want to marry the man they were supposed to marry, became prostitutes. I was mm. so shocked. In Hawaii. In Hawaii. Isn't that interesting? I, anyway, I always find it fascinating. No, I mean, and that's a, I think that's a great segue to, uh, so so you were born in, in Honolulu? or Born and raised in Honolulu, Okay, as were my siblings. So again, I'm third generation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Hawaii is a wonderful place. I and mean, people, mm -hmm. it, it is paradise. I mean, mm -hmm. I go back all the time. I call it home. Mm -hmm. And I'm 72, and I still call Hawaii home, although I've lived in San Francisco longer than any other time mm -hmm. but I was that young girl in Hawaii who had some dreams mm -hmm. dreams that my parents didn't understand uh, and and my dreams were that there was another world outside Hawaii and mm -hmm. I wanted to see it so how would you have known about this other world outside what you know what media were you well back in my day to? Jeff it was Magazines. Oh yeah, I was reading Movie Land magazines, Star mm. magazines, everything mm -hmm. about magazines, and I would dream that one day I could interview the rich and the famous and the Hollywood stars, and 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 I would go to exotic places and travel the world. I just had these dreams, but you know, because my parents were very humble, my father never went to high school. Mm -hmm. I mean, he we think he got through eighth grade and then you know he had to go to work for, with the family and so their dreams were very humble my mother worked at love's bakery which still exists love's bakery today in hawaii is it like it's a hawaiian bakery yeah it's a hawaiian bakery oh my god i bet it's and, good and um you know it's a very humble family mm -hmm. and their greatest dream for me and the rest of the children there are four of us was to get a college education mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and of course my father said and then become a get a college education become a teacher because hmm. that's a good job for a woman oh right is what he said right. or he said oh you could become a nurse that's another good job for a woman yeah you know he meant well i didn't hear it well and i'm like what do you mean um and i think that i was always that child who had other dreams other than what my family thought i should be right i wonder do you, have you thought about where specifically you got the idea of Re, you know, reading those magazines, I want to be the one who interviews those people. You know, people, I've been asked that question so many times, and, and I have to tell you, I don't know where it came from, but I just know I had it. And the worst thing is, and I tell people now, tell the universe what you want to do, what you want to be. Yeah. I couldn't say it because I'm this 
Japanese girl, you know, living very humbly in Hawaii, and my parents are very humble, and we couldn't, it was like bragging. What, you want to interview the stars of Hollywood? What, you want to see the world? I mean, how dare you think those thoughts? Right. And so I, I, I didn't say anything for the longest time. Um, Were you a curious I, kid? I love to read. Um, I love to hear the stories of people. Mm-hmm. And I remember in junior high school and even in high school, I wrote for the school paper. Okay. And my favorite part was interviewing the students and interviewing and hearing their stories. Mm-hmm. And so I, if I track back, I said, oh, I've always loved to hear the stories of people. And I always wanted to meet people from other countries because... Uh-huh. Being born and raised in this island, mm-hmm. you think, oh, those are the only people you know. Right. You know, and it, on an island, if you drive 20 minutes, that's far. That's yeah. So It's a know, version of island fever, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I had island fever, and I didn't know what it was. Right. You didn't have a name for I, it. No, I did. But yeah. I just knew that I needed to do more things outside of the island. Okay. And I needed to just explore and and just live outside of the island and i can't tell you that i had an aunt or mentor we didn't even have those words back then okay. you know mentor mentor right, right, right. what is that um I, I can't you know it's just something that you you grow up with that you feel and and you it just sort of it's burning desire almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so my parents begged me to go to the university of hawaii which mm-hmm. i did mm-hmm. And after one year, I said, I told my mother, I have to go to the mainland. Mm. I, I want to go to way to school. Of course, we had no money, um, but I was secretly working two jobs and saving all my money for to you know one year of college here on the mainland. You're uh, hustling as a kid, I, I just, as yeah, a teenager. I just had to do it. Yeah. And, had you visited at that point? No, the I had never, had never left, left the islands okay. until I came away to go to college, to Fresno State University, hmm. in uh, September of 1967. How did you choose that school? I chose Fresno, California, Fresno State University, because it was in the middle of the state of California. I'd never been, and you know, sure. we did not have internet. Nope. We, we didn't have cell phones. Nope. I would look at catalogs mm. in pictures and read about and about universities, and I just knew that I didn't know anything about California, but that was the closest to Hawaii, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know L.A., I didn't know San Francisco, so I said, oh, I'll just go to the middle of the state, and I thought I was going to New York City. (laughs) Boy, were you in for a surprise. (laughs) And Fresno did have a journalism program, which I thought spoke to me, Mm -hmm. and and it was inexpensive, Mm -hmm. so I said, I'll go there. And I literally had enough money for one year of college. Okay. And then, of course... When I, you came, you mean? You, when when you came, arrived. Right. And, okay. And, of course, then my mother secretly knew that I wanted to leave. My sister secretly knew, my older sister. But my father didn't know because I didn't tell him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, pretty soon summer comes along and I'm leaving in September. And he is furious yeah, when he finds out. Furious. Mm-hmm. You are not going. Mm-hmm. You are not going to the mainland. Mm-hmm. You are not going. You are going to stay here and go to the University of Hawaii and finish. I I just, I wouldn't talk to him. That must have been difficult. Oh, it was hard. And yeah. I said, I'm not. He, his greatest fear, and I look back now, and he's gone, but his greatest fear would, is that I would come to the mainland and become this wild child. <laughs> 
you know, take in up, the sixties, like you said, smoking and drinking yeah. and peroxide my hair orange and just just be <laughs> wild and. That was his fear because yeah. he didn't know. Right. No one in the family had left to go to the mainland. This is the mainland to go to college. So we didn't have anybody to lead the way. It was the fear of un- of the unknown for him and, right. and fear of change and, and unpredictability. And I remember oh. after, I, I couldn't go back for a year and a half because, you know, ex- airline flights were expensive back then. Yeah. And when I came back after a year and a half to visit my family and he looked at me and he said oh you you haven't changed and look at that and i said well you know i i was me before i'm still me but but the greatest thing i think for me is that when i did graduate from fresno state university my entire family came to to see me graduate beautiful and it was the first time they had left the islands wow my parents had never left the islands my siblings had never left the islands and to see me graduate was the very first time they had left the islands and i was just really touched that they would do that that's a beautiful kind of uh, story of coming full circle you know with with your initial leaving and and kind of what a what waves that caused in your family and then three years later I'm guessing yes three years because I did it because I was one year at the University of Hawaii then three years at Fresno State University so all it took was for them to see that oh look she's fine and I would I would probably argue with what you just said about he about your dad saying oh no she hasn't changed you probably had changed but in in his mind, I did, didn't peroxide my hair orange. Your mind I was, was not open, smoking. Though. Yeah, I was not drinking. Um, you but know, your your world had expanded, and your in, you and, know. And I knew that the world was bigger than Hawaii and Fresno, mm-hmm. and I needed to see it. Mm-hmm. So after college, a week after college graduation, I was at Breach Academy in Kansas City studying to be a flight attendant for TWA. Okay. Transworld Airlines, which yes. was an international airline, and, and that's the first job I got out of college. Wow! And my parents were so upset. Yeah. My father said, "You are throwing away your college education." Hmm. And I said, "No, I I, I want to see the world." And in my generation, um, back then, the college kids after uh, graduation they were taking their backpacks and they're backpacking through mm-hmm. Europe. Well, mm-hmm. I, I had. I had college debt mm-hmm. to pay off, mm-hmm. so I couldn't do that. I had to get a real job, and the job that I wanted was to become a flight attendant because mm-hmm. I thought I could see the world. So then my father was extremely upset. You're throwing away your college education. I then was assigned to Chicago to be, uh, that was going to be my base. Mm-hmm. My mother said, oh, no, you can't go there. The mafia is there. Oh, Again, you know, we lived in an island. Yeah. No internet. Yeah, you know it, it's a very secluded time, and and and, um, and I, those stereotypes exist totally for sure. So my mom, said, you can't go. You no, you can't go to Chicago to live. It's dangerous. That's where, that's where the mafia. Yeah. I said, you know, um, thank you. I thank you for your concern. It's where I've been assigned. I'm going to go. So short story, 
I flew. I was a flight attendant for two years. And my parents decided they liked me being a flight attendant because they got free trips. (laughs) It worked out in the end. And in the end, they were flying everywhere. They ran around the world. TWA had this around the world perimeter fair. And I got them that. And, you know, they got to fly around the world. And they got to travel. And in the end, they loved it that I became a flight attendant. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... I did it for two years. I always knew, Jeff, that it was only going to be for a short time. And back then, I was a flight attendant, 1970 to 72. The idea was you're only going to be a flight attendant for like a year. Mm-hmm. Women were getting in it and then getting out really quickly. Okay. Um, my roommate was, uh, she had studied to be a school teacher. So she actually only flew for six months. And, oh, wow. then, she, and then, you know, she got out. Mm-hmm. My other roommate, though, she was, she'd studied education. Um, Charlotte Sherrata is her name. She stayed on and you know flew for 40 years. Whoa. So I had one roommate who did it for six months, another roommate who did it for 40 years, married a pilot. Oh, there you go. And you know, so and, and after two years, I knew that I needed to move on. And my degree is in journalism. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, the city that I've always loved in California was San Francisco. This is great. Um, you're leading us right to it. But I just, I want to hear... Some of the interesting places that you flew in the world when you were a flight attendant. Oh, you know, we flew around the world. TWA had this thing called the Perimeter Fair for $199. Of course, we flight attendants went free. My parents paid $199 each, and you could literally go around the world, you know, from... And all the big cities, from London to Paris to Rome to Greece to India, and, and then I think it was... Um, Hong Kong and Tokyo and then back. I mean, it was mm-hmm. literally around the world. But um, before I left the airlines, m- one of my roommates, she and I took our crew kits, we, one suitcase, we called them crew kits, mm-hmm. and we went around the world. And we took more than a month, and we just said, okay, we're going to stop here, we get off, and, you know, you, you get great perks as a flight attendant, you know. You know, hotel rates are really inexpensive. Your flight is free, obviously. Mm-hmm. You fly standby. Mm-hmm. And and that was a great thing for me to do because I got to see the world. That was part of backing up something you said when you were a little girl, or maybe, I don't know, if you are a teenager or whatever, when you were looking at those magazines. You wanted to interview those people and, see, and, and see, you said the see the world. See the world. I, so you, check and check. You, yeah, you check the boxes. I did. I, I, and... You know, you and the 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 thing is, you got to make it happen. Right. And if you don't have the resources, you got to find the way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't have resources, so I had to work to see the world. Mm-hmm. And the best way for me to do that back then was to become a flight attendant. And so I did. It worked. And out. so, you know, I don't say that often because people are like, you were a flight attendant. Yeah. It's your story. <laughs> it's part of your story. Well, so so you did say, you you eventually. Had you visited San Francisco? Uh, so when I was in college, remember I went to college in Fresno, Fresno. and Fresno City, and so I, I did come on trips to San Francisco. Do you remember and your LA. first time here? It you, backing up. Sure. I had never seen snow in my entire life mm-hmm. growing up in Hawaii. So one of my um, college um, sorority sisters, we went on a field trip, and we went up to Tahoe, mm-hmm. and I thought. To see snow, mm-hmm. oh my gosh! Of course, one sidebar story. You know, people would say, "Don't eat the yellow snow." <laughs> well, growing up in Hawaii, I had no idea what that meant, and people would be laughing. Yeah, don't eat the yellow snow. Ha ha. 
Well, I did not know what that meant. Mm-hmm. When I lived in Chicago, when I was that flight attendant for two years, I finally saw <laughs> a little dog creating yellow snow. Yes, you did. And I went, oh, that's what it's <laughs> meant to be. That's what it's all about. That's why people are laughing. Now I get it. Now I get it. But for years, I had no idea. I mean, everybody's laughing. Don't eat the yellow snow. Ha, ha, ha. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I remember on the way to Tahoe, we passed through San Francisco, and I was mesmerized by this city, you know, coming on the bridge. It was not the Golden Gate Bridge. It was actually the Bay Bridge. Mm-hmm. And I thought, it is so beautiful mm-hmm. coming from the Bay Bridge to San Francisco, so the Oakland side mm-hmm. to San Francisco, I just looked around and I said, this is the most beautiful city in the world. One day, I want to live here. Okay. And so when I decided that two years was enough as a flight attendant, I was going to move on. And I said, where do I want to live? And I said, I want to try San Francisco. And so I said, I want to do that. So... With my degree in journalism, I decided that I was interviewing my flight attendant friends, and I said, you know, I want to live in San Francisco. I think I want to do radio or work in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. So one of my flight attendants, her friend, a guy... Her, she was dating this guy mm-hmm. who knew of a friend in Chicago because we were living in Chicago who worked at a radio station in Chicago, okay. and she said, "I can have my boyfriend set you up with his friend who works at a radio station in Chicago." I said, "Great." So, friend of a friend, so I went to see this guy who worked at a radio station in Chicago, and he said, "Oh, I have a friend in San Francisco who works at a radio station. I can set and so because we had free flights, I would." make some free flights out here and interviewed with um, a couple of stations, KGO and KFRC, the big 610 radio station, mm-hmm. and got a job as a secretary oh at KFRC, the biggest um, rock station back then, mm-hmm. 1972, in San Francisco. Top 40, Dr. Don Rose, oh, yeah. Don St. John, Bobby Ocean, yeah. Sebastian Stone. I mean, these were the men I worked with. And I was a secretary in the newsroom. That was Jan Yenihiro. Please join us Thursday for part two, when Jan will talk about her career in journalism and education. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography for this episode is by me, Jeff Hunt. I also hosted and produced the show. Our website is Storied SF, where you can browse more than 100 episodes check out all of our live events, and visit our store to help support us. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do us a favor and rate and review what we do. And if you have any feedback for us or suggested guests, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and stay safe.